And let's see if Hungary can do something incredible. There's the answer. Schoen. He looks offside. Yeah. It's not going to count. Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Now, new arrivals are continuing to show up at Soccer 90 every day. Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Juventus, and so much more. But this Friday, June the 18th, new Dallas burn gear from Mitchell and Ness will be in the store. And you Third Degree listeners of this podcast receive 25% off when you use the code Degree at checkout. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, for those new here, I'm Peter. And joining me are my two buddies. First, Dan Crook. Hey, Peter. How are the Euros treating you? I'm uh, enjoying the Euros quite a bit. Um, Now, I have been a brave individual, and I I have already pre predicted all the results. And I have been putting them on social media every day. And I got to say, I'm doing okay. I'm not doing poorly. I'm doing okay. I'm not doing great either. But uh, so far, I think the tournament's been uh, a lot of fun to watch. It's good to watch international soccer and tournament form once again. Man, that was a Lucci answer. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> that hurts, Dan. That really hurts. That's all right. It, only, it, it, it took a few minutes. Fewer than that. How are they treating you since you're English and all that? Well, we haven't shit the bed yet, so so far so good. <laughs> are you expecting that to happen? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, England Scotland on Friday is the big one, so I'm 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 excited for it. I predicted two two. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> it's a big game, man. The pressure's gonna you're gonna you guys you guys might crack under pressure, and you already have your three points, so. Scotland's got to win that one. Scotland uh, has never got out of a group stage, and it's never going to happen. So okay. Fine. All right. Wow. Braveheart was on to something. Uh, and, of course, your hero and mine, the editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net, from somewhere not in Texas, it's Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. Calling in from Spokane, Washington, on the final day up at the lake. Oh. Head back soon. Tomorrow. How is vacation treating you? Oh, it's nice. It's been hard to unplug completely, strangely enough, given all that's going on. But uh, I've done a decent job of it. Got, gotten away from the things a little bit. So. And how long will it take you to drive back to Dallas? Uh, only five days. This is a short one because I have to get back for work. But uh, ah. you know, not quite as wandery as it is sometimes. All right. Well, let's get into the good stuff. I'm going to start by reading a tweet from a good follower of third degree at Reagan Rector posted this. Let's get this straight. FC Dallas sells Santos two weeks before the season struggles to fill the position while finding themselves in last place. And now buy a new six to try to fit in on the fly. Sounds like a plan. It does all feel and seem very weird how the acquisition of this new player has happened. And the sale of Santos kind of hung Lucci out to dry. Doesn't it buzz? Well, the sale of Santos happened so late in the window that there really wasn't time to, uh, you know, get 
a player in. And the fact that they didn't have a player lined up tells you that it really was kind of a spur of the moment sort of sale. I mean, I'm sure they would tell you that it wasn't, that they planned it and all that kind of, you know, like I've told you before, if they're talking, they're lying. Um, so it's, you know, it takes a whole window for them to line up the guy they want and get him in. So, um, you know, it, it definitely was a move that handcuffed Lucci. Supreme confidence on his part in a way that he agreed to let them do it, you know, knowing he was going to be handcuffed for half a season, which I assume is the case. You know, that takes a lot of guts to say, all right, you're going to hang me out to dry for half a season, but you better give me what I want. You know, you got to have some confidence that your job is really safe, I think, which is, you know, not how I thought I was feeling about Luigi a couple of weeks ago. He wasn't, not him. He wasn't feeling that way. Not me. I, I think he's safe, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a weird, I don't ever remember Dallas doing a thing like that, that close to the beginning of the season. We're in a new era with this team, uh, you know, a new selling era, a new business era. And it's kind of, kind of weird still. We're going to get used to it. I have a, I have a conspiracy theory about this. Okay. Oh. I think they had him lined up like at the time they sold Santos because it was two weeks later he announced his intention to leave at the end of his contract pretty much the same time Santos was sold, uh, was sold April 1st. And then two weeks later is when he uh, got the hump and decided to sit out the games. Hmm. So, Which kind of sounds like FC Dallas may have declared some interest to him, to his agent, put a little bid in, got rejected, and uh, said, hey, why don't you just kick up a stink, see if he can get released early. Yeah, and then like usual for Dallas, they they're not they don't want to pay much of a fee, so they're just going to sit on it till the window, till the next window when he's free, you know. So because I mean, um, his team, is, I mean, uh, Lanús are still playing Copa Copa Sudamericana. They're still playing in right now, or they've been playing in over the summer. He could have been playing in those games, but they opted to let him out of his contract a couple of weeks early, which is just an unusual situation. So. A uh, couple of things. Buzz, I want to go back to your comment about Lucci, which was you thought Lucci did a brave thing by uh, agreeing to this. Do you really feel like Lucci had any room to agree in the first place, or did they just tell him this is what we're doing and you're going to have to figure it out? Uh, no, I think he has some input, a level of input. Um, so if he had I, said I, I no, wait, wait, but hold on. So if he had said yeah. no, Santos would still be here? I don't know if he has a veto. But he has a level of input, and and I, maybe I didn't articulate it clearly. I don't think that he's necessarily being brave. I think it shows that he has a lot of confidence in his position, like that we've talked about. That he's able to say, you know what, I can, you know, okay, if you're going to sell this guy, you got to give me who I want. I recognize it's going to take half a season to the window. Fine, you can do this, you know, knowing that he's safe. I think. You know, having that level of confidence that he's not worried that he's going to get canned in a month and a half of bad results that are going to come because he's selling his player. So I don't think he has a veto, but I think he definitely has a lot of input. And, you know, you can with your bosses, you know, or and I've told you before that Clark Hunt told me on the org chart that he and Andre and Dan as president are all equal. Those three guys run the organization. <laughs> I mean, that's Clark right to my face. Now, again, you know, do I believe him? I don't know. You know, it sure sounds like the way they run things. So, you know, does he have a third of a vote? Does he have, I mean, who's his, in the end, Dan is also his boss, but he's also equal to him. You know, so there has to be a level of confidence there that he's going to, you know, you can push back against a boss occasionally. You can go to war over something. This is the hill I want to die on, right? You can put up enough of a stink. No, you cannot sell this guy. You're going to kill me. 
at some point he was like, okay, you're, you're hosing me. No, you're hosing me. This is just my opinion now. No, you're hosing me, but you got to get me the guy I want in the next window. You know, that takes a level of confidence in your position to be able to do that. You know, I don't, I don't think that they would have a hundred percent hosed him if he'd have gone to war over this one. Okay. You know, I think, I think, I think he realized as we all did that if you can make some money off of a guy that's a 31 year old holding mid and then bring in another guy who's considerably younger, you know, and, and now the whole key to this thing is their ability to evaluate and did they good as get as good a player. That's what we're going to have to find out. You know, that's the real key to the whole thing. It seems like good business on paper, you know, if, it, if the guy can actually play. All right. So before I get into that, Buzz, because you've asked a very important question, looking at the FC Dallas page where they announce his signing, the pronunciation, uh, Fukundo, seems pretty clear, but they have this pro- uh, phonetic pronunciation of his last name as Key, Knee, O, N. Key, O, N? Is that how it's oh. pronounced? Key, oh. Key, it, it's, it, they, they don't have it spelled out. K-E-Y, and then the word knee, K-N-E-E, and then O, O-H, and the last part is in the fourth syllable is the letter N. Kini O-N? Is that how you pronounce his last I mean, they're name? They're going to say Kinion, but it'll be Kinion. Okay. So yeah, I buy Kinion. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought, too, but there, this is the official phonetics pronunciation on the website of the club they so i was like get those wrong so often oh yeah God. i think they okay. just make that up on their own they don't like google that or anything <laughs> all right well then this will lead me into my other question dan has yeah. anybody actually ever seen this guy play a lick of soccer that we know no uh no i mean i've i've heard some stuff that he's a ball carry in six that's um and that's about it Buzz, come yeah, to the well, rescue. Yeah, I got nothing either. I even tried to look him up on YouTube and see if I can find anything. And there's a couple of goals he scored that look nice. But I mean, he's a six. He's not supposed to be scoring goals. I mean, if he gets some, that's great. But um, you know, this is a problem we run into in TV all the time with soccer: is that people don't make highlight reels of def- defense, particularly like. You know, unless the guy's a really crunching tackler that makes like these crazy looking tackles, right? You often it's hard to find clips of guys playing good. You know, I mean, we have to assume the team scouted him or got some good tape or something. Because honestly, I can't find anything about him other than sort of some of the articles seem to talk about him being pretty decent and that he's pretty good in. It's not just the ball winning, but he's decent in possession, which and, okay. and you know that he can make some decent passes. I mean, not, but again, we're just taking some writer's word for it at this point, where it's a mystery, frankly. I mean, I guess that's kind of like the difference between what we can do and what someone with larger resources or like a team can do. You know, we we may have to rely on compilation videos that a fan or somebody, you know, somebody like a Mister Cranks made, whereas they have like Y Scout where you can just log in, you can click it, you can search for a player's name and see all the individual clips associated to him back to his debut for every team he's played for, categorized by what passage a player is, what action he's taking and and they can, you know, really take that in and then watch even the full games if they really want to get the full context of him off the ball. What I will say, Peter, is that when I talked to Luigi, I think it was two weeks ago now, he did tell me a little bit, little bit about him, you know, as long as I kept my mouth shut until the move happened, um, you know, and he's pretty 
excited about him. You know, it's, it talked about him in, in terms of like being like Tiago Santos and playing at a similar level. So um, they're really confident this guy's going to be a legit high high end six for this club. And you know, it's sometimes we just have to wait. You know, which is unfortunate. I wish I could see him play ahead of time, but. Yeah, and, and I think just to clarify for everybody, because the transfer window hasn't opened, and they're saying that he is, at least in theory, if he gets all of his paperwork straightened out, available to play as early as this weekend. And I think, Dan, you alluded, or Buzz, one of you alluded, so that, that essentially means either he bought out or Dallas bought out or Lanus let him out of his contract. He was contract-free. That's the only way he could play at this point. Yeah, his transfer window. contract runs for another two weeks, so yeah, he's and he's been in town for... At least yeah. three weeks at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, FC Dallas. I mean, I did question that because FC Dallas didn't say exactly which window he falls under, but they did confirm to me he's eligible from this weekend as long as he gets his uh, ITC and his P1 visa. Yeah, and I remember, Peter. You know, those P1 visas sometimes weird crap can happen, and you never know. Sometimes they just take a couple of days, and other times it's like you know some bizarro stuff can make it in play. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hold my breath that he's available this weekend, you know. But he certainly could be. Well, we'll see. Uh, based on how other things have happened this season, if he is available paperwork wise, especially if he's been here for a few weeks, he'll probably start the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the way things are going this year. I mean, yeah, the fact he's been here for two or three weeks, there's no reason why he shouldn't be ready to start if they get the P1 visa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Fasundo, Quinon, uh, good good to have a, a, a solid number six in the house, although I guess we found out he's going to wear number five. Um, so hola to him and, and best of luck, and hopefully he solves many of his problems. I'm assuming he'll take Tanner's place on the field, right? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Mm. Okay, I don't know how much I like We'll, we'll get into that more as we get into the lineup, but yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. So the other big news this week is all the the news that uh, Mr. Che is back in town. And Tom Bogart uh, from MLSsoccer.com has been reporting that there's some stuff going on, that even some Bayern officials are in town and may be interested in more than one or two players. But the, I, I think we go back to the question that I'm fairly certain we asked on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, which is, pending the health situation of Hedges and Martinez, Che's got to get time for Dallas now at this point, right? That just makes sense. Well, actually, <laughs> I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit. I, I thought of a way to explain this. Um, forget for a minute that his name is Justin Che and then he played for FC Dallas. And forget for a minute, if you will, that he was on loan to Byron. And just consider if I told you that Dallas has signed an 18-year-old center back from a Bundesliga 3 team that got relegated, how much would you think that player would play if he showed up? A relegated center back from Bundesliga 3, 18 years old. Uh, Well, I think in that context, I get your point, probably not very much. Zero. He would play zero. Right, but it, right. The only yeah, I know. So th- the thing is, is like if if Martinez is healthy, that's a question mark. But I, he should be by now. He was playing kind of through it anyway. He's a he's a La Liga level player. Hedges, the former Defender of the Year, Brisson played in Copa uh, Libertadores. It's like an eighteen year old kid is not going to play in front of any of those people. I don't care how good you think his future is. 
right? It's not like he was playing with Bayern. He was just playing with their not even U23 team. I don't Bayern 2, whatever it oh, actually yeah. is. No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand you know, me. I'm, not, I'm yeah. not suggesting he starts over anybody. I'm saying right. considering their health situation, if if, they're, if they have a need for a center back, he seems to be an obvious replacement for those guys. And I think the only caveat to your... Uh, to your suggestion or that scenario that you set up, Buzz, is is that he actually comes from the club and has played yeah. with the club before. I think that's the big differentiator versus the, oh, yeah. the, the kind of account that you're putting out. Yeah, yeah. Now, for sure, you know, they, they played Nikosi Tafari for the North Texas game, trying to get him back physically fit and ready to go. And Che is a guy who also played with that club last year. You know, short of the fact that one or both of those guys – will probably be on the bench depending on the health of the first team. And one of them may have to play for all we know, depending on how healthy Hedges and Martinez are. You know, I would I would be surprised if Che doesn't at least get some minutes somewhere. But he's not going to start. He's not going to play half a game. You know, he'll spend most of the season playing for North Texas Soccer Club, unless, of course, the deal finally goes through, which is entirely possible. So, and as far as that goes, the deal itself – uh, there's been a lot of back and forth about whether there's a buyout clause or not. Unless the buyout clause was really stupid, there's uh, Byron apparently likes him well enough that I think they would have just done it. So to me, that says that there's not one. I don't actually know, but I'm assuming at this point there's not one. Uh, and the information I'm getting from people that kind of seem to know a little bit is that Dallas is asking for more money. We joked about the first one was free, quote unquote, and that Richards was cheap. And now if you want another one, you're going to come back and get another hit. Well, now it's a little more expensive. So I think that's kind of where it is. I think Dallas doesn't want to get fleeced. You know, they want a decent chunk of money because they recognize this kid's pretty special. So, you know, the fact he's got a German passport increases his value. You know, they don't want to give this guy away for nothing. So um, at the same time, Byron's in a situation where they're, they're acquiring two club, got relegated out of the business league of three, and now they got to go play like – regional four or something. So maybe they're not in a hurry to get him. Maybe they're happy to let him play for North Texas or FC Dallas for half a season or a season and sort of see how it goes. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're interested. Apparently they're in town, not just from somebody else talking about it. Somebody, somebody I know, you know, sent me some info that they actually are in town, you know, chatting up and still trying to get things done. So I, nothing is in stone. Nothing's for sure out of the woodwork or for sure in the woodwork. So what did they get we'll for see. Richards? Uh, wasn't it? Yeah, one point five with a forty percent. I think it was reported. I mean, I think I think on paper, my gut is that Che, given what Reynolds was worth, given what Cannon was worth, I think Che's worth four. But then Dallas always wants their cut, their forty percent sell on. So maybe he's two point five with a sell on, and that's kind of where well, I think it's going to end up. You know, if it does go through eventually, so. Uh, you know, given the situation with Byron, and maybe they don't exactly know what's going to happen with their team, they maybe not aren't in a hurry. You know, because the, well, there was a quote today about how they're happy to let him stay here for a little while and see how it goes and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's just kind of in you know wait and see kind of mode with both these clubs. See who blinks. You know, uh, and then you know the uh, Bogert uh, article in MLS Soccer suggested they're here actually talking about another player. Any idea who that is, Thomas? Yeah, I actually have a, a thought about that, and I think it is not Thomas Roberts. Thomas Rob well, first, let me tell you that and I, we'll talk about why more, I think, later. I think it's time for Thomas to 
go again or try and force his way out again. But the, I'll explain my later. In the short term, like think about the guys that went right. They didn't go after Reynolds. They didn't go after Paxton when he went. Uh, they Sealy was here, went, and then he came back, and then he was at PSV. You know, for the, I don't think Ricardo Pepe is the answer. I don't. I don't think Pepe's touch is um, clean enough for them. Uh, I actually think. You guys remember when Brandon Cervania went on the loan deal down to Austria? Do you remember who the other player that went with him was? Not Evan Surreal, the the, the the player from Bayern, right? Taylor Booth, right? Booth, it was Booth, oh, right? Booth. A guy they own. Implication being that somehow Bayern is involved in that discussion and getting Brandon that opportunity and their guy that opportunity. I actually think it's a legitimate chance it's Brandon Cervania because I don't think it's Thomas Roberts because – you know, that, for various reasons, but I think it's a good chance it's actually Brandon Cervania, as crazy as that may seem. It is a guy that played in the U20 Worlds, and didn't he have a friendly senior cap, if I remember correctly? It wasn't a cap, it was just a friendly. Um, that's who I think it actually is, believe it or not. So just to make sure that I'm understanding, you're saying that Byron is actually in town also talking about buying Brandon Cervania based on his performance for the Austrian team that he played for? I, based on the training camp, the the fact that he went to the homegrown th- camp there with them, and then from that two weeks, they arranged for him to go to Austria with one of their guys. And for them to have done that must mean that they thought there was at least something there. I'm not saying that they think he's going to play for their first team, but they're in the business of buying and selling players too. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, that's just why I, you know, it certainly could be Thomas. Because, you know, last year they tried to take him on loan. It wouldn't shock me if it's Thomas. I have a reason why I think it's not Thomas. And I, th- and I think maybe there's a chance it's Serenia. Just a little speculation out there for you. So what is the story with Dante Seeley? Because, you know, he posted the picture of him being at PSV's training center. And then it was like, oh, he's on his way. That deal's done. And now he's back. Does that, is that not – the fact that he's back doesn't change any of that? He's still going there? Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, he is. I mean, that's – you know, for me, that was a – the team, of course, just said it was a two-week training stamp, but I took that as it was one last sort of sniff before they do a deal because their window's not open. Like they're, Those teams will start to get together for preseason I, you know, somewhere over the next month or so, you know, as towards the end of the Euros. So, I, you know, I imagine that's when you'll start to see him move again. I, I, I don't have any concrete information that that deal is done. It's just that he's been there multiple times and, you know, I've been telling you guys, I think I've been thinking he was going to move this window for like two years now. So I, my, there's nothing that's changed my mind that that's not happening. And, and I still think it's PSV. I don't think it's Byron. Okay. Uh, and uh, here on the run sheet, written in famous crayon, it does say that <laughs> Jesus is still back in training. But any chance we'll see him this weekend? I think you'll see him. I don't think he starts. He's not ready to start. You know, it's not, he had to take a month of no contact, you know, so he basically like jogged around the field for towards the very end of it. So he's nowhere near going to be game ready, but you know, you could see him for 10, 15 minutes. I think, you know, they'll try and push him rapidly towards game fitness. Um, Paxton's the one I think you're going to see the change. I think Paxton starts. Well, yeah. So let's talk about that. Minnesota is in town this weekend. Um, and I'm, you know, everybody's excited to see the team again. The seven thirty up at Toyota Stadium. Um, what do you uh, do? You have any anticipation what you think the starting lineup will look like? Um, I think it, it's probably going to be in the back, basically what you had before. 
Brisson Martinez. I, I think Martinez will be plenty healthy enough to start. Brisson, if he's back from getting his green card, will be in there. Menjoma will keep his spot. Um, Jimmy, hold, hold, hold on pretty... before hold, before you jump around too much. Let's just yeah. let's do a what if scenario. Okay. Um, you're assuming Martinez is healthy enough, but let's say yeah. Brisson isn't back from getting his green card. Who starts Oof. in that spot? Uh, Tafari. Okay. What if uh, yeah. Brisson is not back and Martinez and Hedges are both hurt? Who are the two starting centers? Oh, Lord. Um, wow. I, I honestly don't think that they would start Justin Shea. I really don't. Um, yeah. that You might get a Nelson. Goodness, but then who plays left back? Because well, you leave Ryan at left back. So it would either be Ryan or Nelson. Nelson's more of a center back and a three three man, but as fact as a two man, it would probably be Ryan with Nelson left. I know it's you get crazy, but I'm I'm quite confident that Martinez was playing through whatever it was. So like with three weeks that we've had for him to recover, I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, and I'm sure Br- back. No, I I got the impression that it was re- that it wasn't like crazy serious, but it also wasn't going to be like a week or two. I mean, okay. Hedges Hedges never ceases to surprise me with how quickly he reaps and gets ready, you know, so it's entirely possibly will be. I just don't expect it to be. I'm expecting Martinez and Brisson again because it you know, with Hedges, why risk rushing it if you don't have to? If Brisson doesn't get back for some reason, or if Martinez is worse, then maybe it could be Hedges, certainly. I, I haven't got a report this week on whether Hedges is back in training or not. But um so I'm expecting Martinez and Brisson and, and Majoma and then if the five gets his P1, the new guy, Falco, gets his uh, P1 visa, then he'll. I think he'll start. If he doesn't, then it'll be Tessman still with Acosta and Ricarte. And then I think it'll be Paxton on the left, probably Obreon on the right, although I, I would bench him for one game off, off of the last performance and let Khalil Elmecar have a game. But I don't know that Lucci will. Lucci likes to see what happens during the week a lot, see how guys respond. So I think Oberon probably will respond a little bit and be fine. I did get a report, however, that Pepe has been crushing it this week and the last week early this week. So as bad as Hara was, I think there's a legit chance that Pepe starts this game. Maybe flip a coin on that one. But I did hear have someone tell me that he was just lighting it up and training, and we all saw how bad Franco was last game. So um, I'm hoping it's Pepe, and I think there's a real chance it could be Pepe. Which Jan, be can you tell us anything to anticipate about Minnesota and what they're bringing to town? Um, sorry, I was just uh, actually watching some uh, training clips. It looks like uh, Martinez is pretty much primed for the start because they had good, good. one of the uh, media clips. So Minnesota, I guess the the big biggest thing for them is uh, Robin Lowe. There's you know with uh, Finland at the Euros, so there goes their assist leader and their leading goal scorer and their only good player this season. Mm. Um, Yeah, he's he's a left winger, but I mean they put him right wing, they put him up front, they kind of put him anywhere they have a need. Uh, They do have uh, you know uh, similarly. 30-something Argentine guy that scored one goal and and uh, just trots around and does nothing up front. And um, they signed a French player, uh, Adrien Huno, I think his name is, who uh, started in their last game against Real Salt Lake in a 4-1-4-1. So 
you know, presumably he gets to start again and and they uh, try and do what they try and do. But yeah, it's uh, you know that, that's a that's a team that was being dragged into life by Robin Lloyd. Obviously, scored the the goal at the end against uh, against Dallas in the game a few weeks back, and uh, they're going to desperately try and replace him. Well, and it'll also be uh, wicked hot, so hopefully they use that to their advantage uh, on the game at 7.30. A friend of mine is coming to town, and I'm, we're going to the game together, so that'll that'll be fun to sit in the stands and watch it as fans. Um, all right, so anything else in particular about the team? Uh, any other news or anything we want to talk about before I move into my next thing I want to dive into? Well, I just want to talk a little bit about Thomas Roberts. Um you know, because because they've signed a, a a six, this guy Falco or whatever his Facundo or whatever his name is, um, that's going to affect Thomas's playing time, which was already nothing. Because Surio, as much as he didn't actually play, was really really close to playing. You've seen they put him back with North Texas to get him some minutes, which is sometimes a sign that maybe they want to try and use him somewhere. You know, he was really close to starting a game or two in the stretch when Tanner started those games. It was really close. You know, if with the new six and then Edwin playing pretty well, Tanner is going to be back as an eight, um, which will eliminate what chance Tan- uh, Roberts had to get in the 18. And also Paxson's back. Now, I think Paxson's going to start, but you know very easily that one of the early subs could be an attacking wing Paxton moves back into midfield, you know. So again, Paxton is as versatile as Paxton is, and as much as Lucy loves that, Paxton's going to take some of Thomas's time too. So I think Thomas is back in a situation. And I, it's amazing to me this is happening again. I think pa- Thomas is in a situation where he needs to force the hand again, and he's to line up his own loan deal and make it happen. His agency to get to work and get something done because he needs to go play. He's you know he's coming up. I think this is his third season now. Um, you know, and other than the first couple of games of that first year when Lucci first got here, he played a little. He hasn't played since then hardly at all. So he needs to be playing. And North Texas, when he goes down there, he's too good for that team when he's on and when he's focused. So he needs an opportunity where he's going to think it's a good opportunity so that he's focused and d- determined and also where they think that he's a, something to invest in. So I, I have I have a, I have. A couple of reasons why I think that's happening, um, mostly because I think it should happen, but also because you hear things too. But um, I think it's time for Thomas to force his way out of here. Alone will be fine. Just get somewhere where you can play. Um, and, and also, I forgot to even say, Brandon Cervini is also back, and he plays that same spot, eight or six, or apparently right back now. But um, again, that's like three guys who are going to shuffle positions that are going to take away what opportunities he was having. And that same is true with Brandon Serena. Now that Brandon Serena is back, if he comes back and never sees the field, he needs to force his way out too. Like the thing he just did that apparently I'm just assuming that Byron had a little bit of a hand in make that happen for yourself again, you know, get out there, get, get a chance to get seen, get a chance to get bought by somebody and get to the next phase of your career. Stagnating in Dallas isn't going to help you. And it doesn't help Dallas, right? Just sitting here doing nothing. Because eventually they got a clear space. Yeah, wherever, man. Just get somebody pay you to play. 
No, you know, are you in Transylvania? No, Where he's are in, you? Oh, he's in crazy London. He's gong going to on. Big Ben. It's it's you never you don't have a grandfather clock in your house. My in laws no. have a grandfather clock. Good Lord, I couldn't hear a word you were saying over all of that. That was crazy. well. That's funny. It went off earlier, and I asked Dan if he heard it. And he said no. No, you were shouting so loud I couldn't hear it. Uh, definitely heard it 15 minutes ago as well. Oh, and it's four minutes slow, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't have control over that. <laughs> Buzz, yeah, it is your Reset the in-laws clock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess my question about all of that, Buzz, is is that uh, I feel like we've heard, we've been through this story before with Thomas where he went and we have. found somebody that wanted him, and then uh, they cock-blocked him. And what's going to keep Lucci from cock-blocking him again? Yeah, they cock-blocked him with Byron last year, and then he arranged a loan this time, and they talked him into staying. It's like at some point, you just got to be like, look, kids, just do it, man. Pull the trigger and go. You know, yeah, it, I mean, it it, doesn't... Like, you can't just do that, though. Uh, I mean, you know, sure. Fabian Castillo says you can. I'm just saying, you know, keep working on it. Keep trying. Do something. You know, you can refuse to play. You can quit showing up. What are they going to do? Not pay oh, you? Oh, he could do that. You know, yeah, so I'm saying he yeah, I'm just saying. Castillo got on a plane and left the country. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying there's players have power. I'm not saying Thomas should do those things necessarily. But I think if you keep coming to them with these offers and be like, listen, you guys are not playing me. You know, please just let me go. Let me go play. You know, maybe I'll do a great job and then I'll make you some money because they're not using him. They might as well let him go and see if he can make some money. You know, it's it's different. It's different than Shea where Byron, you know, is interested in this sniffing. And so maybe you're like, hey, you got to pay. It's like the, Thomas doesn't even have anybody sniffing as near as I can tell right now. Go out there and find something. And get somebody sniffing, and get somebody calling, trying to get you, get you, and then then you can do something. I mean, I, I didn't look up his con, when his contract is up, but I think it's not this year. I'm sure he has two options, you know. So, hmm. uh, you know, he could be stuck here another two years after this one. Yeah, it's a, be terrible. Uh, the Thomas for the kid. Roberts story is one of the more uh, one of the greater mysteries. I don't get it, and I feel bad for the kid, and uh, hopefully something works out for him. So uh, just yesterday, it was pretty exciting because suddenly the the great the other great mystery of this team, which is the Hungarian player Shone, suddenly began to crystallize pretty clearly when everybody thought he had scored the stunning winner, or at least the goal that was putting the putting Hungary as a surprise leader over Portugal uh, very very late in the game, uh, and I thought, oh my God, Dan Dan Hunt just peed his pants. Uh, but then the goal was called offside, and we saw little of shown for the rest of the game. And uh, what was about to turn into the most h- hilariously ridiculous story just turned into nothing. Yeah, did you guys watch it? How, how did, he oh, yeah, played as a striker. Him. Apparently, how did he look? I didn't see it. Uh, he, he, literally, I mean, Dan, did you see it? Did you um, watch the game? Yeah, I was kind of in and out of it, uh, but. I mean, the thing is, he came on, he had that one great moment, and then Portugal became Portugal, so suddenly the ball wasn't up his end of the field. Yeah, he they subbed him on, and it took me a minute to try to figure out where they had put him, because they put him someplace I didn't expect him to put them, which was essentially straight up front. I kept looking off to the sides to see if he was playing on the left or the right, and then realized, holy crap, he's playing as a striker. And then, you know, um, Hungary got the ball and they played a ball. They played him off on the side and he was just, you know, he made a really nice run into the box and a good finish at the near post. Um, he destroyed and, Pepe. 
And he, yeah, he destroyed Pepe in the process of doing it. It looked really good. And then, like Dan said, after that minute, he just kind of evaporated from the game because Portugal went, oh, yeah, all right, screw this, and and ended up winning 3 nothing. So, yeah. um, and, I, and literally, I don't think you saw him again. Uh, he may not have even touched the ball after that, to be honest with you. Because the, 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 the Portuguese, the three Portuguese goals came in a sequence of about seven minutes. Yeah, well, I was right about Thomas, by the way. Two more option years. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see them, the, the guys that know him, use them where you would think you would use him, which is like a high, high on a wingish kind of off striker type of role. I mean, I'm sure that's where he's supposed to be. I'm sure that's where he'll play with Dallas most of the time. You know, our big complaint about him here was the fact that he got crushed in there early with no opportunity to really be effective. You know, it's like I I watched him in training and nothing like I saw some moments of goodness, but I didn't see enough that was like, oh, dude, get that him in the lineup now. I mean, it wasn't that kind of thing. So, you know, we'll see if yeah, we joked about the idea that he would tear up the Euros and never come back. That yeah. would still be funny. But I mean, I'm glad I'm glad that he's good enough that he's actually playing for his nation at the Euros. I mean, that tells me there must be something legitimate here that we're not seeing yet, you know, and maybe he'll come back and be a legitimate contributor to this team. It'd be ex- I mean, it was the attack was from the right. So maybe he can play on the right and let uh, Tom, uh, Paxton play left, you know, that'd be fine All or right. vice versa, whatever, flip them. Well, uh, and then on the flip side, there's the weird story about Vargas in Venezuela. I'm still not sure I understand what has gone on with him. Does he have COVID? Did he like get cut from the team because he just sucks or, or, or what? What is going on with that story? I'd asked uh, John to look into it. He's our resident Googler in foreign languages, and um, you know Venezuela was weird because you know before the tournament they had thirteen uh, cases. I think it was eight eight confirmed cases and another five exposed. So they like called up fifteen players uh, in addition, but they also dropped a bunch of players and Vargas you know, just disappeared out of the lineup. So you're like, okay, well, maybe maybe he was part of the, the COVID restriction, but um, supposedly, no, he was just dropped from the lineup and then not considered when they had to call up an extra 15 players. That's not a good sign. <laughs> no, it's not a good sign, but I also have <laughs> yeah. to say there's nothing that I've seen out of him so far. I was really surprised when I saw that he had been called up for this tournament. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like I have a complete picture of his skill set, but I was maybe I'm overestimating Venezuela as a national team, but I, yeah. I didn't consider him national team it's quality. Kind of the, the same consideration you have to take with Shern and, and Hungary. These are two teams that, you know, maybe they could give a USL championship team a good game on the regular. You know, they, they might get a one off result against a. a a, a big nation like a Brazil or a Chile, but you know, talent-wise, they're just nowhere near. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else, Buzz, about the club in particular before uh, I move on to the next thing? Um, no, that's really all I got. I mean, the only other thing is that I'm really excited to actually see Nikosi Tafari healthy again because. We haven't seen that guy hardly play in so long. No. I'm looking forward to see if he's actually got anything. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get on the field for FC Dallas, but his window is closing rapidly. You know, this is year two, and if you're coming out of college, you don't get a lot of time anymore if you're a four-year guy, which he is. So yeah. um, I, I kind of want to see something out of him. I mean, get him in a game or something. Let's see what he's got. You know, there's, there's a lot of really good tools there. 
and he's a great dude, you know, so I'd love to see him get a legit opportunity before we get Justin Shea a legit opportunity because Justin's only 18 and as far as much older. So let's find out real quick if he's got anything. Okay. Can, can he never play in USL League One again? Because that annoying commentator kept calling him Burgess. It says Tafari on the back of his jersey. Just call him Tafari. It's on the team sheet. It's on the league website. Oh, was he? That's you know those guys are down in Florida. They don't know. They don't know a lot. No, it's all right. Uh, well, if you get to uh, watch the team on Saturday, hopefully. Uh, so, if, uh, when would be the latest his paperwork for Keenan would be able to be completed? I mean, as far as I know, as long as it gets to the league office in time, I don't. I don't know what that so deadline like is. And, and probably like a Friday, four p.m. Yeah, yeah, Friday. four, yeah, four Eastern, probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about is I had this weird uh, kind of uh, epiphany uh, yesterday, I think it was, because this is the week that Austin FC finally opens up and has a home game. And there's been lots of coverage uh, stateside here, you know, here in the state um, in different places, uh, promoting the fact that the stadium is opening and um, and the anticipation around the atmosphere that this new stadium seems to have promise of. And, you know, a lot of us, myself included, have uh, poked a lot of fun at the lack of the organics of this. This all feels very manufactured and and uh, kind of pushed and created by the club and the whole um, uh, Matt McConaughey aspect of this all just feels very plastic in many ways. But... That said, if Austin, in fact, over the course of the rest of the season, does end up with this amazing electric atmosphere that we all in Houston and in Dallas look kind of sheepishly at and longingly at, is it going to tell us that maybe there is another way that Dallas should be going about this or, or, or in terms of growing their atmospheres and their fan bases um, and that maybe for all of the lack of the coolness of doing it and the lack of the organics of it, maybe the way Austin is doing it is maybe the way it needs to be done. No. I, uh, well, I, no, no, hold I on, was, hold on. Wait, no, no. Yeah, Dan, Dan said, I want, I want to hear Dan. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, that was it. No. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's no, a I podcast, mean, it's, dude. You got to flesh it out. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, it's a sport that's built on organic support and, an atmosphere it's not a a corporate team run thing where there you know there's nothing independent about any of the supporters groups i mean hell they went to kansas city and some idiot left a banner on the side and next thing you know austin fc are putting an advert out on craigslist hey guys uh we can buy them another one because you know we pay for all their stuff but there's an emotional attachment to this banner that's existed for exactly four weeks so if somebody finds it and could return it that'd be really awesome we'll we'll give you like a reward or something it's just it's it's embarrassing you know you i mean you talk to the supporters groups when they're on calls with these people and you know and anthony precourt sending them a script they're you know there's it's just absurd. You watch these little practices, and there's nothing original about any of the chants, okay, any of the but, songs. But hold, You've got but, front office people leading. It's embarrassing. It's 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 everything that every European piss take about MLS has always been based on. How plastic things are. 
But if they have 3,000 people all singing and cheering and creating an amazing atmosphere in that stadium on Saturday and for the rest of the season and into next season, because the, even when the team sucks, you're still going to piss all over it as plastic. The same way you do as those um, forced patriotic displays in North Korea, absolutely. And no, I mean, it's going to last a year or two, and then it'll be like Orlando and New York City, other kind of forced upon atmospheres that just dissipated. There's no, I mean, there's no hype in Austin. There's hype in around the domain, you know, really on the outskirts of Austin. There's, you know, there's a, a whole PR machine in New York City working on this. There's no one gives a shit about them. Well, that's a different perspective than I seem to have uh, arrived at. It they seem to be the talk of the town everywhere I turn. But okay, cool. Uh, that's interesting. I appreciate your uh, your your passion and perspective about that. Uh, it'll I mean, be interesting to just, see how it's. Re- it's tiresome, like just here, you know, hearing this whole, you know, however many press releases are being put out about them and things. Nothing again. Nothing's organic. No one, you know, there's no one. Like people on the streets aren't talking about Austin FC. You know, people who are getting paid to write articles are talking about Austin FC and implying that people on the streets are talking about them. Well, okay, let me push back on that. Friends of mine that live in Austin that aren't soccer fans say that's all they're hearing about is this game coming up this weekend and however excited the city is about it. It, it, and to be honest with you, Dan, it sounds a lot like my friends in Atlanta were talking that knew nothing about soccer when Atlanta was getting ready to rev up and play. And I was like, yeah, that's never, don't worry. It, it'll go, it'll blow over. I mean, Atlanta was a market that was always going to take off. No, Austin, it was. Everybody said Atlanta was going to bomb. Okay. I mean, it was the largest TV market that didn't have a team. It was, you know, the whole Southeast just had nothing until Orlando, which was you know a muted failure and then atlanta comes along and you know you've got people from like western tennessee and and south carolina are like yeah yeah i'm definitely going to that that's like our area's team the same way the metro stars were sort of like the team of the tri-state area back in the day before the red bull yeah I do. I, 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 again, I'm just speculating. I'm just wondering what's going to happen when there is what is perceived to be an electric atmosphere and an amazing game day experience at this Austin thing. And Dallas and Houston are sitting around in half empty stadiums with a couple of hundred people sitting in a corner banging on drums and, and kind of organized in the way that they chant their stuff that some people can hear and some people care about and some people don't. I, that's what I wonder how that narrative is going to start to build over a period of time. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the, uh, the, the main, honestly, the main talking point about uh, Austin right now seems to be that they're charging $80 for an away ticket. That is a lot. Yeah. They don't want other fans coming in. They don't want supporters coming in and making more noise than the home fans. I mean, it's, it's actually a brilliant way to price people out of it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it'll be fascinating to watch. Um, I, I'm under the perception there is a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement in the city of Austin, but maybe you've heard something different or you know something different. And I mean, people uh, I know down there are saying that it's it's bombed that it hasn't that there's no bars except for on the, hey, the hey. very northern outskirts. And you know, I mean, we see in in our Discord there's uh, you know Dustin talk, talking about people he knows 
from when he lived there that are saying much the same. It just it, it seems like the, the target all along hasn't been the soccer fan in Austin. It's been the hey, look, this is the new cool thing. Come around and try it. Which is great, but they're the people that a few weeks in are like, oh, I actually don't like this sport, so why am I paying this exorbitant amount of money to be here? Well, time will tell, won't it, sir? Certainly will. All well, right. I want to answer the question. Oh. You just skip right past me. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I am, I am very interested to see how it goes. You know, what kind of crowd they have and can they sustain? But the answer to the question, in my mind, is 100% yes. Now, I'm not saying yes, that it's the Austin way, the way they're doing it. What I would say was 100% yes, look at Kansas City. Because Kansas City was terrible for a long time as a market, as an MLS franchise, in terms of fan base, in terms of attendance, in terms of anybody caring about it. And they changed to a new local ownership and they went to play. Originally, they were playing in a baseball stadium while they built, I think it was a baseball stadium, while they were building their new place. But the minute those guys took over, I don't know what they did because I'm not privy to the internal workings of their franchise. But that thing started picking up steam right away. They moved out to the Burbs a little bit. Yeah, that's contrary to, right? We, we Now we think downtown and young and urban, right? But the move to the suburbs for them paid off. That's a market similar to Dallas in, in a lot of ways compared to like Portland. Kansas City is a lot more like Dallas. You know, now they have their own place and they've got what, like 70 straight sellouts or something. You know, Kansas City shows that you can do that in a central United States football traditional market. I mean, American football traditional market. They've showed that you can be successful. That's who Dallas should be calling all the time. They should be going to the owner of those teams and going, let us pay you whatever to tell us how you did it. You know, you may don't need to admit it publicly, but you know, the, the places that have done like the young and the urban and the downtown and that stuff has worked for them there, but that's not Dallas. You got to figure out what works in a similar market. So to me, yes, a hundred percent Kansas city was the model you need to be emulating, not Austin. So the thing with that is, the Hunts, A, are never going to... There's too much pride to go to Rob Hyman and say, hey, we really screwed this market up. Can you show us how you engaged the supporters and grew that organically? Yeah. Yes. Because that's, that's what happened. Um, I know. I know. You know, and, that, and that's kind of converse to the way that Austin have done things where they came in, you know, a, a, a guy who's not local, who lives in California, came in and started throwing money around paying people to you know be like a a form of a street team and say hey you know we need to we need to try and make out that this is this is the biggest thing on earth and you know yeah but this see, is what I'm, Dan- this is the line I'm feeding you you've got to say this to these people and this to these people yeah but see that sounds like marketing to me and 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 see here's the thing is I I kind of understand where you're coming from in the organic part of it or the lack of the organics but, you know, that's a guy that was, you know, bringing a, 
quasi stolen club into town, doing it in a very un-Austin way, and had to execute on a plan to get people on his side, and seems to have done it extremely well. I mean, their waiting list for season ticket sales is off the off the charts. They've sold that thing out like crazy. They have an incredible number of people that are going to be in their supporters groups. I mean, there's going to be more people in the Austin supporters group than I think both Dallas and Houston supporters groups combined. And that's on day one. So I, 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 and I, and I can already tell you, as somebody that's been around this for long enough, I can already tell you the question is going to be immediate. How did Austin pull this off in this short amount of time? And Houston and Dallas, which, by the way, have completely opposite stadium situations, can neither one of them can figure it out? And maybe the Austin way is the right way to do it. To, to to build the kind of atmosphere that is going to get other people interested into coming to games is that maybe you have to do it this way in the state of Texas. Maybe the idea of growing it organically is just not possible in this state. I mean, if if you have to have a supporters group on the payroll to make it happen, and what do you mean by on the, gone to shit? Okay, so what do you mean by on the payroll? Because when you say that, that makes it sound like to me they are actually paying people to go to the games. They were paying people. Okay, you're making an accusation. You're going to have to explain it. They have been paying people. That's that's all there is to it. Paying people what to go to games? Well, no, they haven't had games to go to, but the whole organization of this is based on they paid off, you know, the the whole reason that their supporters groups are so fractured is because they were paying certain people certain amounts, certain people other amounts, certain what, people What, to, like, not organize all. and lead the groups? Yeah. So what... I, okay. It's... it's That's the thing. It's totally... It's the, the complete opposite of organic. It's just... A, it's a corporate structure. So none of the supporters groups in Austin are independent from the team in the way that, like, El Matador is. They all receive uh, money from the front office in some form or fashion, whereas the independent supporters groups, which is the reason you have things like the Independent Supporters Council, which Austin Anthem was bizarrely let into, um, you know... Actually, the, here's the story. So in the early days of Dallas Beer Guardians, they... Uh, applied to be in the Independent Supporters Council, they were actually denied on the basis of receiving, I think it was $500 from uh, one of FC Dallas' sponsors, which happened to be Budweiser at the time, to make some scarfs up. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is, like, minimal compared to the things that, are, you know, Austin, all their instruments are paid for, all the banners are paid for, everything's paid for. It's just, it's an embarrassment. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's an internet. Like I said, I'm, I'm, that's interesting insight. I, I just, and that may be uh, a, a method that is not um, desirable by a certain number of people. I just wonder what the actual reaction is going to be when the atmosphere is Portland-like in that place. Uh, you know, um, and everybody looks and sees the game on in Frisco or the game on in Houston. There's like, what in the world is the difference? And all of the nuance and details that you're talking about are going to get lost in the mix, I worry. Uh, that's fine. Then people can watch, like I say, uh, those little patriotic displays in North Korea and things like that and think, oh, wow, they really care. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually, uh, maybe it's because I'm American. I, it doesn't really bother me that much that, 
you know, because I, I watch the way FC Dallas works with their supporters clubs, and I like they do everything they could possibly do wrong to me. Okay. You know, it's like they don't give them the support. They don't build the atmosphere around them. They don't make it easy to be a fan in the supporters group. They don't they don't help those guys at all. Well, and that's and I can't help. If they, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't. I can't help but think, man. What if they went? Not only did all that. What if they went even further and like helped them get to games and helped them make banners and helped them do everything to help create real. Not I, you're going to check to the word real, but help create a better game day atmosphere. I don't know that that would bother me. I mean, I get where you're coming from, Dan. I believe me, I do. It just doesn't. It honestly doesn't bother me at all. So there, I mean, MLS as a as a league has, at least in the past, they, you know how they have their weird little funds. There was like a five hundred dollar team discretionary budget every year to do things for supporter groups, um, which you know for FC Dallas supporters groups has been yeah just print the the banner that sits in front of the stand uh, in previous years when that was why. A couple of years ago, there was that weird one that was the Dallas Beer Guardians twice, which made very little sense. Uh, when DFE was around, it was their snake pit banner. Um, you know, that's one thing. Um, you've got things like Kansas City, their uh, whole away support has been fantastic, and that is largely because Sporting Kansas City as an organization pays for away tickets. They don't just do that for supporters groups. They will do that for anyone that is... You know, a sporting Kansas City fan that wants to put the time. So why 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 isn't that inorganic? Because that doesn't affect. That's not trying to build something inorganic. That's just helping people get to an away game. Well, then, but isn't all Austin doing is just getting people to come to their home games? No, and 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 be part of an organized group of people. I, look, I, again, maybe this is a, a cultural difference, and I probably fall more on the side of buzz on this. And that, and I, and I love El Matador, and I love the Dallas Beer Guardians, and I was an original member of the Inferno. I, I you know, I, I just, again, I'm just as a person that has been watching this for a long time, I'm really, really worried that Austin is going to turn into this thing, and everybody's just going to assume. Nobody's going to know the real reason why it is that way, and even if they do know it, I don't think anybody's going to care. I mean, in the day, it's it's you know it's I don't know it's whatever you want it to be, right? Perception is reality and all that. But I mean, for me, as a football fan, as somebody who is deeply ingrained in supporters' culture, it's everything that's wrong. It's you know. The time I would rather see someone spend, you know, the sweat over a, a, a crappy two pole banner that looks like crap than, you know, have a team pay a thousand dollars to have a professionally printed sixty foot tifo. Yeah, you know things like that, and that's it's just, you know, if, if that's what for, if that's what the sport's going to become, I, I don't want any part of it. Well, okay, fair enough, and and certainly when I saw them practicing their cheering up out at the stadium last weekend, I thought that was kind of weird and cringy and <laughs> maybe extreme even for me. But hey, look, if it works for them and it gets out and it gets a crazy atmosphere going and other people interested and sells a lot of tickets, I have a feeling, Dan, it may not be for you anymore because I have I have a weird feeling it's other people are going to start following that model. 
because what's because what's happening because here's the problem dan what houston and dallas are doing now is not working yeah you're talking about two clubs that specifically go against their supporters right not the norm though is it well, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe it's not. I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know what the individual relationship between every club and every supporters group or their supporters groups are across this league. Um, I'm just suggesting that you know a relationship between the club and the supporters groups has got to be maybe a little bit more. Maybe there's a maybe there's a happy medium between what Austin is doing and Kansas City is doing. Right? I'm sure there is, but it's more of a cooperation, not a master and servant. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. that's what FC Dallas would love to have, a master and servant. Uh, you know, oh, what do you want us to cheer? What do you, you know, and they, they said as much when they were trying to break up the supporters groups. We want to have something we control, specifically right. control, which pre-courts achieved. So, yeah, I'm sure to to the Hunts and everyone, he's the hero. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there uh, you go. Like, yeah, I have a confession it actually doesn't even bother me that he tried to steal somebody else's team for his market. Maybe it's because I'm in American sports, you know, and I'm so used to franchises moving. I was just like, if it's a franchise moving, what's the big deal? I mean, it's not my team. What do I care? I uh, guess. I, I think the big deal is because of the way that uh, the the way that he couched it when he took the team over and presented it as an opportunity to keep the team in Columbus, and he made yeah. a lot of promises, and he bald faced just lied to people. Really, well, he's I definitely mean, a snake. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just don't, you know. Well, but, you asked what what's wrong with it, and that's what I'm saying. Is yeah, wrong with it. I mean, he, I don't, he made I don't all know. that stuff up about oh, you know, I can't get a half decent stadium. I wanted something downtown. Well, Columbus has got a better stadium than Austin. They're about to out- open downtown. Oh yeah. So no. how's that going? It, that one that turned out to be a win-win yeah. for for uh, Columbus all the way around. Oh yeah, and you know it'll be the same story in Austin. There'll be a couple of years if he doesn't see a massive return, which it's soccer. You don't see a massive return. He'll get bored and think he'll and decide he want to spend his trust fund somewhere else. Well, like I said, time will tell. Uh, it's, it's, most uh, certainly. As annoying as, as the hunts can be in their methods, they are soccer people and they will stay soccer people. And they are Dallas people and they will stay Dallas people. <laughs> so yeah, that, that comes back to the atmosphere we're stuck with is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like it or not, but this club's never going to go bust. It's never going to be in danger of moving. Oh, I, I mean, know. maybe it's maybe it's me as a as a fan of teams where I've you know had to go to protest to save my team at the last minute from a, an owner that's tried to move it. But that's a big deal. I would rather that. I would rather go into the end of the season and say, hey, next season is actually going to happen. It's not an if. Love it. I love a passionate Dan Crook. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'm very proud I pulled it out of him. All right. Hey, guys, don't forget Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90. New arrivals are landing this week at Soccer Daily. Bayern Munich, Juventus, Arsenal, and a whole lot more. But on Friday the 18th, the new Dallas Burn gear from Nich- Mitchell and Ness arrives, and you Third Degree Podcast listeners will receive 25% off when you use the code Third Degree at checkout. Dan, thank you for all of that awesome uh, expression and opinion and insight tonight. That was good fun. Thank you. And as Andy reminded you on the show, uh, enjoy Copa America too. And and I find out why Andy, uh, when you speak to Andy next, find out why Brett Brereton, Brereton's playing for Chile. He's crap. 
<laughs> I will ask Andy on Saturday that question. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. And uh, by the way, Buzz, we are enjoying the creaky boat that you've been sitting in during the <laughs> yeah. entire uh, uh, podcast, too. Hope it yeah, doesn't sink. I, yeah, I had to use the desk uh, near the dining room here at my in-laws house, and the chair is super creaky. So sorry about that. I mean, it's like a ghost I got a creaky floor chair. And I got a I got a grandfather clock going off in the background. So, what so I wanted to say, Buzz yeah. is staying at a haunted house on yeah, his vacation. Haunted mansion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Up here in Washington. Uh, what I did want to say though is, man, the the Dallas Burn throwback gear they dropped the first time was so good. I can't wait to see what they got next. Oh, hopefully, it's different kind of stuff. Oh, that would be sweet. Maybe yeah, I'm a, something new. Maybe, maybe there'll be a hat in there finally. All right. Well, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Keep soccer organic.